Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Coming up on episode 242 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Mini Cooper SE. We drive the Hyundai Santa Cruz, the Mercedes-Benz EQE, the new Toyota BZ4X, and the GMC Hummer EV, and Cruise AV gets pulled over in San Francisco. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 242 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam of Guel Samet of Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin of, uh, let's say, Kelly Blue Book today. And I am Roberto Baldwin of uh, Forward Wheels. And let's start with you, Roberto. What have with you me? been driving? What have you been playing with? I have been driving so many things, but here are the things I'm going to talk about. Uh, I drove the brand new... I was going to say Mazda. I don't know why. Mercedes-Benz <laughs> EQE. It's the same thing. They both start with M, right? They both start with an M. I, I have a little bit of jet lag. I drove. I went all the way to Europe, to Germany, to drive the new Mercedes-Benz EQE. They're not as fancy as an S-Class. It's uh, E-Class version of the EQ lineup. Um, but it looks just nice. like an S-Class. It does. You know, okay, so here's the weird thing. So we, we, we fly over there, get there, and we How look and... How does that go? Wait a minute. How does flying go again? Okay. Like this, except for 15 hours. Um, it's so a long time there. to be making that sound effect. I it know, is. Right? It's just like... <gasps> such a lot. Yeah. We get there, and you look at it, and it's the same design language as the EQS. It looks like just a smaller version of the EQS. And yet for some reason it looks actually nicer because it's smaller that design. I don't yeah, I, you you just kind of have to see it in person. Um I think it looks a bit nicer that design language on a smaller vehicle. Okay. So, there you go. So that's the look thing. I think people are are either either like it. I think I said uh, either they like it or they hate it. Um I don't think anyone really loves the new design of the EQ. Um, S or the, I guess the new EQE. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Whatever you get inside, it's a Mercedes. It's just like essentially the same as the EQS. It's very fancy. You can get the hyper screen if you want 56 inches of, of, uh, I don't know, touch screen terror. Uh, <laughs> it's got the, it's got the, uh, the passenger screen. That's so if the passenger's watching, 
I don't know, movie or whatever. And then because the hyperscreen has the in-car monitoring system and has the little camera right there in the right above the uh, instrument cluster, if you turn to look at it, it'll like sort of pause it and be like, hey, you can't watch that. So oh, it doesn't just fil- it doesn't just have oh. a filter on it. It actually pauses it. I think so it actually, actually pauses. They've put really? a filter or something. Something happens where you can't see it. They're like, no. Um, so that's cool. I didn't get the chance to try it though because uh, in the time of COVID, we still don't have drive partners. Um, so, but you know, we only have so much time with these first drive. Uh, I but I got to drive the three hundred. No, the 350 and the 500. So the 500 is also coming to the United States. Uh, it is coming uh, later than the uh, 350, though. The 350 will be first, and it'll have just that single portrait screen. It will not have the gigantic hyper screen available um, when it gets here. But but you'll be able to get that later on, and you'll also be able to get the more powerful 500. The uh, 350 is how you say in your and uh, in english rear wheel drive <laughs> is rear wheel drive only um and the 500 is uh, all wheel drive formatic you know the old the old mercedes-benz formatic that's that's just a fancy word for all wheel drive uh the eq e has 288 horsepower 391 pound feet of torque and when you stomp on the gas it's fine it's not it is definitely not a rocket it's not i think I like that more and more vehicles that are EVs, when you stomp on the gas, or I'm sorry, the accelerator, because there is no gas. <laughs> when you stomp on the accelerator, it the pedal. Just, yeah, it doesn't just jerk your head backwards, because that's fun three times. It's fun <laughs> for you three times. And then every time a friend gets in the car, you're like, hey, look at this. Woo! And but then, then after fun. a while, after a while, you're like, eh, I just want to go from here to here. And so the the 350 doesn't have that sort of like it's just a n- very nice, very smooth acceleration curve, um, and especially if you're looking at a luxury car, it's it's so that car the EQE is really really smooth, just driving on the road and very very quiet. You're just kind of more sounds, by the way. <laughs> That's and better of course, than the sound it took to get over to to drive the car in the first place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's much better on the ears. It's it's far less ear uh, attacking by the outside world <laughs> when you're driving the EQE as opposed to sitting in a plane flying over I'll, the Atlantic. Although Ocean. I must say, uh, looking at the pictures of the interior right now, the vents on the dashboard look very much like jet engines. <laughs> like, like oh yeah, looking, at, like, looking the, in the, the front whole... of a jet engine. Yeah, the whole uh, Mercedes the Mercedes-Benz deal now is like making things look like like planes on the inside, like little jet engines. All those vents. They do. It looks kind of awesome, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks it looks really cool. And then you get the little accent lighting. You can put it all the different colors. Again, I always pick the peppermill colors. Um, it looks like really cool. Um, the you know it, you know I like the hyperscreen in theory. I think it's very nice. It's huge. But the regular screen, it's just without the passenger screen, it's it's more than adequate. It's it's huge. It's still huge. You just don't have that other screen over there on the right hand side. And so the passenger, I don't know. They have to if they want to do things with the navigation, they have to turn left and use it. <laughs> or you know, it's yeah. I mean the 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 passenger screen is great if you want to listen to different music than the driver. If you want to watch something. If you want to. 
use the internet or but a lot of that stuff you know what else you could, people have usually is their phone or an yeah, but you don't want to sit there in the car for three hours holding your phone in front of you that's true. Or, or your ipad or you know whatever you just yeah, but it's nice. It's nice to just mount. have it there, and you can just sit back and relax, and yeah, let I guess it you wash over you. Let it wash over me. So yeah, I guess there's that. <laughs> um, so you can do, you know, if you're into that, then you can get the hyper screen. If you're not into that, then just get the regular screen. Um, you knew you will need the hyper screen setup though if you want to get the augmented reality turn by turn flying arrows because it needs those that, are cool. Uh, Though, yeah, it's very cool, and it's really nice how well it sort of attaches to the road itself to the road, and it's doing that because it's using you know location of your face. Hyundai oh, has okay. the same thing on their vehicles. They has the Ionic Five, and mm-hmm. uh, I think the EV6 all also have. Anyway, yeah, but the, the system, vehicles the have system it. on the Hyundai's is it's, not as sophisticated. A, it doesn't actually move around in space. Yeah, exactly, because it can't. It doesn't know where your exactly where your head is. It mm-hmm. can't track your eyes. So it's, you know, it's just sort of like, hey, there's a thing coming up and there's the arrows <laughs> and it's good, but it's definitely not, like you say, as sophisticated as the Mercedes Benz version where it's just like right there. It's all floating. It's all dynamic. It's very, yeah, it's very impressive. So, so if you, if you, if you want that, then you're going to need the, uh, the, the hyperscreen, um, and that's very helpful uh, if you happen to be driving somewhere you have no idea where you are, like a teeny tiny European street, or all the teeny tiny European streets. <laughs> you get lost? Is that? Are you telling us you got lost in a teeny tiny European street somewhere? I missed a turn, uh-huh. and then you have to like do a bunch of things to get like where you need to go. Um, but it's yeah, it's you're like oh no, I missed a turn. Oh, oh, it's not that big of a deal, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I think I think missing your turn while visiting Europe when you had to use a map and like a co-pilot that 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 that's a much tougher, uh, much more uh, horrifying. Deal. Like, oh gosh, we're never. Yeah, but now you got you know Google Maps or in-car maps. Like everything's like, oh, it's just redirecting it. Because I've driven through Europe before, uh, you know, before smartphones, and you just sort of like, oh, I missed my turn. Oh, hold on, let's look at the map. You just pull over. It takes a little bit longer, but you're still going to get where you're going to get. They haven't shared any information on pricing um, yet. Uh, They haven't shared any information on range. Um, They do have, uh, I think, their WLTP scale, you know, the super generous uh, European scale, says it'll do 660 kilometers per charge, which is about 400 miles per charge. Uh, once the EPA gets a hold of the vehicle, it'll be far less than that. Um, so, you know, don't don't be looking at that number. Uh, it has a 90.6 kilowatt hour capacity battery pack, so you shouldn't be too concerned about how far you're going to be able to drive in this thing. Um, it supports DC fast charging up to 170 uh, kilowatts, which is good but not great. Um, you know, with with other companies hitting you know up and anything below 200. For uh, a, a luxury vehicle, seems kind of. Eh. I mean, yeah, well, Mercedes. But I, Mercedes is still using a 400 volt. They're still using, yeah, exactly. So they're still using 400 why. volt. Hyundai's doing 800. Hyundai. Just want to say it again. Hyundai is doing 800. Mercedes is doing 400. Uh, again, it's 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 a Mercedes. You sit in. It's comfortable. It's just you know massage seats, all you know you can you can option this thing to the sky, 
and you're going to have a nice time. And you're going to be very comfortable. And that's really what this this the EQE is all about. Just smooth, pristine comfort and quiet. We drove it, you know, they had us drive us through the mountains. And, you know, you're like, oh, we're doing some dynamic driving. But you really, I mean, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you can. But it's a, you're just like, oh, this is so nice. It's nice and comfortable. You perm- you know, you listen it's, to whatever. It's the next generation German taxi cab. Yeah, it's the next because, generation. Ger- you know, for, you know, for anybody that's never been to that Germany, <laughs> the taxi cabs are all Mercedes E-classes. Which is the weirdest thing. You're like, you know, here taxi cabs are all like, or Ubers, they're all like junky cars. Like the, they're like, oh, I'll take my Mercedes taxi. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, uh, pardon me, I'm taking my. And then you get in, and it's every. And I, we took a taxi while I was, while we were in Germany, and every taxi driver is the exact same. Everywhere in the world, they're always driving incredibly fast. They're always stomping on the, stomping on the gas, stomping on the brakes, stomping on the gas, stomping on the brakes, stomping. On, there's no, they don't know how they're, to modulate. They, 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 they treat no, the pedals as on-off switches. Yeah, it's everything is binary. It's either all on or all off, all on, all off. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, MBUX. Oh, they has a zero layer, which I'm a, I really like the MBUX uh, infotainment feature where it's just, here's the map, the thing you need anyway, and then like a few little floating modules that give you um, information for things you want to use. Whenever I'm using it, I never have to like, I've, I've never find myself using zero layer and being like, oh, I need to find some more information. It's always just like, oh, there it is in little floaty thingies. It's right right there where you need it. Um, is uh, is the EQE uh, a hatchback like the EQS, or is it nope. to have a trunk? It's got a proper trunk trunk. It doesn't have oh. the little hatchback. It's just like, boop, 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 which means it's a little bit tougher to get large things in the trunk. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like an odd choice, given that it's a little smaller than the S. You would think that it would be the other way around, that the E would be the hatchback, and the S would have a trunk, because it's bigger. They, You know what? They gave me a reason, and I've completely forgotten it, because... Um, I was tired. That's <laughs> <laughs> jet lag. I'm sure it's in my notes somewhere. They gave me a reason. I wrote it down. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but yeah, just it just has the, just a regular trunk again, which so you 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 have uh, less room to put things in. Um, I had a I have a number for the the uh, storage in the trunk, but they are double checking it. Um, but I'm just gonna say it's around 15 cubic feet. It's fairly typical of a yeah, sedan of that size. Yeah, it's a little size. bit bigger than some yeah. other uh, some other vehicles out there. So you you get it's a nice it's a nice trunk, but they're double checking on that. So you, you can't if if that's wrong, don't send it's, me. It's not your emails. fault. Don't send. <laughs> if you have angry emails, send uh, please address them to Sam. Send them to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do we want to know about this vehicle? The 500 is, of course, faster, dual motor, quicker, all the things that you want. 408 horsepower. Um, again, it's it it is quicker. It's it's a bit more 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 uh, sports sedan esque. Um, but for the reality is is that it's 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 again just a nice comfortable ride. Just you know, is, you need, a, is there... you need all four wheels turning at once. Is, uh, other than you know, bigger bigger numbers are faster. Is there any particular logic to the numbers? Like, do they have any meaning? Like, you know, does it equate to the torque in newton meters or anything like that? No. Okay. 
there's no logic. Whatever. Okay, so the so the 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 EQE has 288 horsepower. You're like, well, that's not quite. That doesn't. Uh, the EQE 350 has 288 horsepower. We're like, well, that's not right. And it has 391 pound-feet of torque. I'm like, well, that's too high. And they're like, okay, um, sure. Maybe we can maybe look and see. When maybe look at newton meters. Hold, give me a second. Where's my Where's my piece of paper? We're working on it right now. Nope, that's not right. That's oh, 530 like... newton meters. So no, that's not right either. Yeah, that doesn't work right either. Maybe it's kilowatts. Uh, that would be smaller. So. Oh, 280 yeah, be... horsepower would be like 225. My God, you guys, I am totally just hearing the Charlie Brown voice in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I'm, someone at German, in Germany will tell me um, what it is. Um, but I'm not in Germany right now. I'm at home. So, so yeah, Mercedes-Benz EQE. It's a, a nice, quiet, comfortable, not wagon. Did I say wagon? No, you were, no. you were you sounded Man, like you were about I to, am. but you stopped yourself. 2023 Mercedes. Let's just start over. Here we go. Everyone ignore everything I just said. Everything you uh, said 2023, from your mind. 2023 2023 Mercedes-Benz <laughs> EQE sedan with a proper trunk. Uh, comfortable, quiet. I have no idea how much it costs. Presumably somewhat less than the $102,000 starting price of an EQS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be less than that. But it's a weird because the EQS is less expensive than the S-Class, but I don't think the EQE is going to be less expensive than the E-Class because the E-Class starts at like 60 ish So maybe it'll be a parity. Maybe it'll be a little bit more. I can't see this thing starting at 55 50 Maybe it will. I don't know. I'm, 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 I was when they when they when they shared the EQE price and I was like, well, OK, then fine. OK, I thought it'd be more. When when does it go on sale here in North America? It'll be on sale sometime this year. OK, <laughs> Sorry, sometime between now and December 31st. Yeah, we'll sometimes be on between... sale someday at a price of some amount. Yes. yes, it'll probably it'll be it, the, the 350 will be out before the 500 and, and the 500 is also due this year. So. And one since will be it is, on the 27th of December. One will be the 29th. And since it is um, uh, 2022, um, you will have to pay an exorbitant uh, dealer markup on whatever the sticker price ultimately is anyway. Oh, yeah. They're going to they're, they're gonna rip you off. They're going to take all your yeah. monies. And they're going to cry, cry, cry. <laughs> all right. Nicole, are you ready? I am ready. So right. I do... Um, had a Mercedes, but I know the price and I know when it's out. So, <laughs> oh, look at you with your look at I you with your, with your little knowledge. smarty pants. With my knowledge, I'm all fancy pants here. Okay, so I had the um, 2022 Mercedes Benz GLS 450, uh, which is a seven passenger SUV. Uh, it is. I'll just get right to the price because I normally forget about it. Base price on this puppy is $77,200 with the wide assortment of package stuff, options, special paint, heated rear seats, driver assistance, oh boy, <laughs> acoustic comfort, AMG line. It is $97,150. Oh, is that all? I was thinking yeah. closer to like 130 or 140. I know the fact that it came in under 100, I was kind of impressed. And I went down, I'm like, this has got to be, oh. Didn't even hit the $100,000 car. So by a skosh, just, dun, dun. just by a smidge. So it is a bargain at half the price. A bargain, right? So it is powered by a 
three liter, uh, six cylinder turbocharged engine, 362 horsepower, 369 pound feet of torque and a nine speed automatic transmission. Um, it's a big vehicle. It's definitely not tiny, but it moves. I mean, you push the gas and it moves. And like Robbie was saying, it's got that Mercedes thing where it's aggressive, but it's like, I am mild mannered aggression. I am not like in your face, angry. It's like, you can take me, you know, aggressively through the twisting turns. You're just kind of, you know, enjoy yourself. It's like a so, thoroughbred. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not a crazed squirrel. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what car, wait. Pause. What car would qualify as accelerating like a crazed squirrel, Robbie? Oh, what would? Oh, Kona N. Okay, yeah. fair. Kona N. I think the Kona squirrel. N, which is is that the way that car drives is like a crazed squirrel, and it's I absolutely crazy. love it. But it's it, it is not a Mercedes. <laughs> I love okay. the Kona N. It's just like front wheel torque spin everywhere. Ah! <laughs> You're like ah, crazed squirrel. That's fair. So this is I mean, this is just a beautiful powerful, responsive luxury car. It's very roomy. I found two things that totally drove me nuts. One, it has a heated steering wheel. I will be damned if I could figure out how to turn the darn thing on. I looked at every <laughs> menu. I looked at every button. I was getting so aggravated. I'm like, I cannot figure, by the way, I'm telling my husband, this is actually how this story works. I'm telling him how cool the thing is where you can say, hey, Mercedes, and it'll do whatever it is that you want it to do. And use your next Except turn on the heated steering wheel. Literally, he's like, wait. Hey, Mercedes, turn on the heated steering wheel. Turning on the heated steering wheel. That was the only way I could do it. I couldn't oh, find any other way. I thought that was other the only thing I couldn't do. I asked it to do it. I'm like, thank you. That's okay. The first time that the voice control in a car has ever been the solution to a problem rather than causing additional problems for me. So, but oh, I still. You finally I, made a friend. <laughs> I know. I still don't know if there is a button or a knob. I mean, we're sitting there in the car, me, my husband, husband and my daughter, I'm like, okay, none of the buttons that I can visibly see do this. None of the menus that I can see do this. I don't know where it was. I don't know where it was, people. I couldn't find it. We spent a good time trying to. No, couldn't find it. Nothing that looked like it would work. We pushed buttons that adjusted other things. No heated steering. <laughs> so, but no, couldn't find it. So Mercedes, like, where the heck is the button? Anyway, someone's going to be like, Nicole's right in front of you in the middle of the steering wheel. Still couldn't find it. The other thing, this is a really weird thing. So it has, what do they officially call them? Illuminated running boards. They are, if I got this right, following across this chart, they're $650. And they're just what you think. They're running boards on the side of the car. They are the single most oddly placed running boards ever. And I thought it was just me until my teenage daughter complained about it. They're too high. So when you go to step out of the car, if you actually step on them, you're like standing over, like you're looking across the top of the car. But if you don't step on them, when you get out, they stick out just far enough that they're jabbing you in the back of your calf and possibly making a really dirty mark along your pants because there's dirt on the bottom of the car. They're in the strangest spot. And I kept hitting it as I was stepping out. I thought, this is so weird. What is wrong with me? And my daughter's like, these things are really weird. They keep, I don't know. Do you stand on them or not? Cause they make you too high. And I, I'm like, so it wasn't just me. So they have oddly positioned Illuminated running boards, which are an option. Don't get those. They don't belong so in this just, car. You don't need. Well, I, I don't. I mean, for me, most running boards don't belong on any car, but I'm very no. tall. And so I'm always having to step past every running board except for like one, except for like a giant, like GMC 1500 or something ridiculous right. where it's well, like some, for some reason, raised for no whatever. No, but every other running board, I'm all, oh, out the car. 
Yeah. So I, so normally I can use them and I, like I either do or don't depending on the car, but if I choose to use them, I step up and I sit in the car the right way. Or if I choose to skip it, I just step over it. This one, if you can't, it's, I don't know. It's like, it, it's just, they're messing with you. Every time you get it out of the car, do you step on me and you have to like step up and crouch to get in because now you're too high or do you step over? And then it's like this weird, it's weird. I just liked, yeah. So those are my, my two little complaints about this car are so finicky. It's ridiculous, but they drove me crazy the whole week. I had the car. Did, do you think maybe the, uh, the, the heated steering wheel button was on the uh, running boards? We reached out. There was an illuminated steering like wheel, little button. You gotta tap it with yeah. your foot. You just tap. <laughs> I just want to see that. You just open the door, tap the running board, close it again. Your heated steering wheel's on. That had to be it. That makes perfect sense. Tap. <laughs> but I mean, other than my two ridiculous quibbles with this car, I really did enjoy it. It was. It's. It's a nice car. It's quiet. It's beautiful. It has that very. It has that Mercedes luxury thing. Like if you truly just want this beautiful luxury car that coddles passengers, that has a smooth, almost floaty ride, but not so floaty that you feel like you're disconnected from the road as a driver, like you're still engaged with the cars you're behind the wheel, but it's not, you don't have to work for it. It's so relaxed and it's so easy to drive and unbelievably quiet. Like you can sit in the driver's seat and have someone all the way in the back and you can just carry on a conversation as though you're sitting right next to each other. It doesn't matter if it's windy and rainy and you're on the highway going 65 miles an hour. It's still this quiet, well-mannered car. And I happened to notice I was coming out. I drive back and forth to Boston all the time. And there's a section of road that is road in the loosest sense of the word. Um, <laughs> it's really should only be driven by like Wranglers and Broncos, but it is technically a road in downtown Boston and it's horrible. And driving it in the Mercedes, I thought, oh my gosh, you don't feel this. You don't feel it. And I can see that it's a wreck. You don't hear it. And I know how it's felt and how it sounds driving over that in numerous press cars. In this one, you'd actually think that Boston spent some money on their high, on their roads, uh, all, all visual appearances to the contrary. So it is, it does what a luxury car should do, which is give you this beautiful, elegant passenger experience with enough engagement that you enjoy driving the vehicle, but unless you're getting like a super high performance version of something, you don't want to feel like you have to work too hard to do it. And that's exactly what this one does. Nice, perfect, calm luxury vehicle. The nice non AMG. Yeah. Nice non AMG. Like if you want the like a ah, little crazy go AMG is not what yes. this is. And that's the thing. Like I like the crazy, but if you don't want the crazy, maybe you don't want the crazy every day. Sometimes you, you want something a little more mild. You just want to be mild mannered and enjoy the drive and kind of relax. And yeah, so this would be the car for that. So that was. Sometimes you don't want the extra spicy. You just want, you just want the mild, you know, or just regular even, you don't just, I'm not looking for that. Like I have to sign a waiver to eat those wings. I don't need that level of spicy tonight. Just medium level. You don't want a crazed squirrel all the time. You don't want a crazed squirrel. You don't want a crazed squirrel all the time. Exactly. Words to live by. So that is <laughs> so that is the Mercedes Benz GLS 450, which I really did enjoy, aside from the missing heater button and the uh, running board. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Now, the other car that I drove, I drove two in the, over the course of the last few weeks where I haven't had a chance to, to be on the show because life has been crazy. Um, I also drove the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is their little uh, truck. Chocolate. Trucklet. I like that, Truckle. Sam. Trucklet. It's a trucklet. Um, a medallion like of truck. <laughs> a medallion. Just a medallion of truck. Not a full-size truck. Not a bone-in truck. Just a truck medallion. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I had the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is was new for 2022. And it's like a small truck. It has a neat little cargo cover that can support like a person can stand on it. That's how support, like how strong this little cargo cover is. So it's sturdy. Um, it's comfortable inside. So it reminds me in some ways of the Honda Ridgeline where it's a truck, but it has a ride that's more like a car, which is not a bad thing. And if you want truck, some truck capability, but you don't necessarily need to be like crazy about it. You're just like, I would really love to have a bed so I could put in my, my bikes, or I could put in things just a little bit too big or like sporting equipment or yard stuff project stuff. It's great for that. Like an acting talk mulch. <laughs> My husband got mulch this weekend. <laughs> he sent me a picture and I totally thought he yeah. did. And it wasn't even a truck. He just stuck it in the back of his Wrangler, but I was like <laughs> mulch. <laughs> um, so it is that kind of vehicle. I mean, it's designed to be that way. It's not, um, it's not like this insanely off-road capable car. It's not or truck. It's not this overpowered performance truck. It's just a decent, nice little truck, smaller size that makes it great if you're someone who goes on more urban areas. We're trying to even drive just a straight up boring F-150 without any lifts or anything can be a challenge to park those things in a city. This is not. This is this is easy to live with every day while still giving you a little bit of truck capability. I, I really am a fan of the Santa Cruz. I like it. You guys have driven this, right? Both of you have driven the Santa Cruz? I have not. I have not driven the Santa Cruz yet. I've I've driven the Maverick, which is the American Santa Cruz. I I've driven it briefly uh, at the uh, the Mama Rally last fall uh, when I think? drove it back to back with the with the Maverick. Um, oh, I, have you driven the Maverick, Nicole? I have. I've driven both. Oh, so, so I like the, both of you. How do you? Uh, now we got to make a. We have to now have we a have a fight. Now we have I, a fight. I like, I like drama. We don't have a fight. We could agree. Which one? What did you think of the Santa Cruz? And then what did you think of the Maverick? I mean, the Santa Cruz is good. Uh, yeah. you know, it's it basically it's the same as the Tucson. You know, the interior, the cabin is is you know, it's the front half of it is basically a, a Tucson, um, <clears throat> and then you've got a bed on the back, mm-hmm. and you know, it's 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 decent. 
I, you know, um, there's some stuff about the new Tucson that I'm not crazy about. Like some of the stuff that should be physical controls, like the climate controls, they've uh-huh. done it as touch controls, which I'm not a not a fan of in that respect. That I mean, go with go with knobs. It's simpler yeah, and agreed. functional. Um, but you know, otherwise, it's you know, it's fine. Um, the uh, you know the the Maverick, you know, is you can get it for well, at least theoretically, get it for significantly less money than the Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And it's with the hybrid, it is way more fuel efficient. Yes. Um, you can't, you know, right now, uh, and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before Hyundai drops their hybrid powertrain in the Santa Cruz because they already have it in the Tucson. Right. Uh, and they may even do the plug-in hybrid, which is also in the Tucson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, that will kind of even out that part of it. Although I, I can't imagine that Hyundai will offer a $20,000 Santa Cruz hybrid. To, to to go up against the twenty thousand dollar Maverick, I don't think it will. I think Ford has that nailed. That that, but I think the thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong. Last time I looked, like the availability in the Maverick was just terrible. Like you couldn't get. <laughs> yeah. Like good it, luck it was like one. it was a great idea, but good luck getting one. But if if they were both on the lot today, the Maverick, I think the Maverick has a bit more to offer, and it's just it still looks great inside, and it's just so dang cheap. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's what does it start under twenty? Am I remembering? It's right? like right at it's like nineteen like nine or something. So it's yeah. basically twenty, and the Santa Cruz starts at just a smidge under twenty four. So you're talking, you know, like four thousand dollars. That's not a small amount, you know, especially when you're at this lower price point and you're trying to get something. Let's say your first time buyer or something, you're on a budget. That's a huge chunk of change, you know. That's going to make a big difference in how much you're going to pay. And the hybrid thing, the fuel economy, especially with where gas prices are right this minute, that again is a huge amount of money you're putting back in your pocket by having a hybrid hybrid instead of just having a straight up gas engine. So I don't dislike the two. I mean, but between the two, Sam, I agree with you that I would go with Maverick before I would go with Santa Cruz. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. But I do think the Santa Cruz has a, has a little bit of a cushier. The one thing I will say it has a, it has a more, um, it has a more comfortable interior. It's a little bit more nice. Yeah, it, it does. It oh, does yeah. feel you're, a little more premium. Yeah, where you're what you sacrificed for that price difference. You're still getting that that Hyundai premium interior. Right, you're getting that premium interior feel in the Santa Cruz, and the Maverick is really lovely inside. They do a great job, but it definitely feels more its price point. It feels like they've you know they've they've done things to be not. It doesn't look cheap, but just like economical because it's mm-hmm. nice. It doesn't feel crappy or cheap, but the Santa Cruz actually feels kind of. It feels kind of nice inside. So if you want that nicer vibe, go for the Santa Cruz. Yep. Nicer vibe. Nicer vibes in the Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, I haven't driven to Santa Cruz. I'm kind of sad because I, wow. I see them around. I've seen a lot of Ma- uh, Mavericks and Santa Cruz. People are buying them um, when they can get them here in the yeah. old Northern California. So people like them. So now yeah, you, my, you have a choice, my next door which neighbor. is nice. My next door neighbor loves his his XL hybrid, uh, Maverick XL hybrid. Did you he know, have to wait the, forever to they get it? The, uh, they got it in January. They ordered it in October, and got it uh, right at the beginning of January. Um, so you know it was about uh, you know two Remind. and a half months to get it. Oh, it's uh, not bad. Ordered, um, yeah, I mean, they they ordered it right when it was launched. right when it came out. I had a neighbor yeah. who ordered an F one fifty hybrid in October, and they just got it. Just just got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. not surprised. Yeah, the 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 only thing uh, the only thing my neighbor was disappointed was when he realized that getting the XL he didn't get cruise control. 
but uh, there's a company that does an aftermarket cruise control system. He's going to uh, do that. That's that's pretty easy to install in there, and so he's he's ordering that and getting that putting put in. Really? It's, it's like, like two hundred fifty bucks. Th- person I think in the universe that is really not a fan of cruise control. I I just never. Oh, I had a whole thing about it. Were you here? Yeah. I don't know. Was I here? I just complained you might have... about how much I don't like. I don't care about cl- cruise control. Maybe I was. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't. But I feel like most people love it. Like it's deal breaker type material. And I'm like cruise control. Yeah. Cruise control is basic. I never use cruise control. <laughs> I never I use cruise control in any car. car. My husband added it to his Acura Integra, the old original one. Really? And it was this like that... little square box thing that was stuck to the dashboard. Oh. You I, the I I added it to my '84 GMC S15 when I was in college. Oh, you were doing the crazy long drives though. That's right. I was driving back and forth. Yeah, between Hamilton I don't. And I don't Flint. trust cruise control because you just ram into a back of another car. I adaptive cruise control. I, Thumbs up. Regular cruise control, thumbs down. So I'll yeah. just drive. It's fine. Yeah, I agree. Good. All right. Um, so I also had an EV this week or yeah, that I drove. Um, and um, it's the Mini Cooper SE, uh, which is like the, uh, the Mazda MX-30, a uh, short-range EV. Uh, it's officially rated at, I think, 114 miles by EPA, uh, 114 combined. Which is not much, um, but you know, if you need a, an urban runabout, you know, it's it's enough. Um, let's see, yeah, 114 miles, and uh, you know, if if you're just driving around town, you're not driving, you know, doing long road trips with it, it's adequate. Um, but man, this thing is so much fun to drive. Um, it, I was know, sad when they they had to take mine away. Yeah, 181 horsepower. Even got just a just a hint of torque steer sometimes if you're uh, accelerating hard out of a corner, uh, you can you can feel it tug a little bit on the steering wheel. Um, the uh, you know I love the size of the mini the the mini hardtop. You know it it's that nice small compact, but you know it still feels roomy enough inside. Uh, you know I mean, you're taller than I am, Robbie. Uh, I mean, even even myself, you know five eleven, I have plenty of room inside that thing. Uh, mine was in the the chili red color, uh, which just looks fantastic. Um, it, the when when it was delivered to me, it was still on snow tires, uh, which was fine because it was cold that week. Um, and uh, you know the back seat in the mini is you know basically useless uh, unless you have very short people in the front seat. Like back seat in air quotes. The back seat. Yes, there is a back seat that's got a couple of seat belts there and. In theory, if there's people that are short enough in the front seats, you know, you could possibly put somebody back there. Uh, but, you know, we should really consider this more of a, a two-seater with, you know, a nice big uh, uh, cargo area. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the one that I had, um, the base price on the Mini Cooper is $29.9. Uh, $4,000 signature plus trim package that gets you the power folding mirrors, the panoramic moonroof. Uh, the auto dimming mirror and and a bunch of other stuff, the premium Harman Kardon sound system and nav. Um, the uh, uh, the the minis still have the older version of iDrive in there, which means that it doesn't have support for Android Auto. Um, it does support car, Apple CarPlay, but not Android Auto. Uh, so if you're an Android user, you can keep be aware of that. You know you'll have to just use plain old Bluetooth streaming from your phone uh, in that case. Um, they, uh, you know, they've they've figured out over the years how to integrate a touchscreen into the big center dial that used to be the, 
the speedometer, uh, you know, in in the in the first couple of generations of modern minis, that that was where the speedometer was, and that center that big center dial along with the uh, um, the, the uh, radio. Uh, and there's there's a series of lights <clears throat> around the perimeter of the giant round circle in the middle uh, that is also your state of charge indicator. You know, as your as your charge drops, you'll see the lights gradually deplete going around the circle uh, counterclockwise. Um, and then there's also a little digital, uh, not touchscreen, just a little digital display in front of you that's uh, that's the speedometer on this one, and also your other gauges for. Uh, state of charge and range and stuff like that. Um, I got uh, the because it's because it only has a fifth or a uh, thirty-two kilowatt hour battery pack. They only have support for fifty kilowatt AC, uh, DC fast charging, uh, which is fine, you know, because you know it'll still do a full charge in about half an hour uh, on a on a fast charger because the battery is just not that big. It's got a teeny um, tiny battery. Uh, it's funny. I I did take it. To, you know, after going for uh, an extended drive on a Saturday morning, I did stop by my neighborhood uh, Electrify America station, and it was the first time that I've been there when there was multiple other EVs all charging at the same time. There, there was somebody there with a um, Kia Nero EV. Um, nice. There was a, a Mach E uh, from Ford, which was uh, part of the Ford Charge Angels team, which we talked Again? about last week. Uh, well, no, it was, that was the same one we talked about last week. Oh, okay. um, and and then there was also um, uh, while we were there, uh, somebody pulled up in an ID four. So it, it was four four vehicles at the using the, the six bays uh, at this charging station. Um, and the uh, a couple of days later, after I was there, uh, I finally got my two forty volt uh, outlet installed in my garage. So oh, I managed hey. to test uh, charging here at home, um, and I have a, a nine point six kilowatt charger, but the uh, the the mini will only charge at 7.2 kilowatts, and I plugged it in and and let it charge, and indeed it was charging, cranking right along at 7.2 kilowatts until it filled up the battery. Um, the uh, energy efficiency on this thing is actually quite good. It was getting about 3.7 miles per kilowatt hour, which is which is pretty pretty decent. That's um, good. Yeah, better better than most uh, EVs. Uh, uh, you know at was it thirty four thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars all in for this particular one, including a delivery charge of only eight hundred and fifty dollars, which is surprisingly wow, modest. They're by. tiny little cars. Yeah, that's true. You can you can <laughs> you fit can just, uh, you can throw you one can in the backpack. Three or four of these the in the space of one Hummer EV. Yeah, you could just throw it in a backpack or yeah, shove yeah, it that, that um, overhead. At the delivery charge on the Mercedes, I had one thousand and fifty dollars. Well, that's not bad. Still low. Yeah. Although you know it's only coming from Alabama, yeah. Right. This one was this one was coming from uh, England. That's true. Um, one one thing to be wary of, you know. While I really enjoyed driving this, there, there, oh, there's there's only one one real complaint I had about the car, which was the seats. Um, the bolsters on the seat back, um, you know, were were fine. It was really comfortable. It was just just the right spacing, but the bolsters on the seat cushion felt really narrow and were pressing in on my thighs the whole time much more so than than almost any other car i've driven even like you know driving like the m4 competition uh, a couple of months back you know that had the carbon fiber seats you know that was just a you know totally unadjustable carbon fiber shell with a bit of padding on it you know these um these were were quite narrow 
And uh, I, I did find it rather annoying after about an hour or so of driving. But since you can't go very far in this thing anyway, probably <laughs> after won't an be hour that you're done. Problem. You got to yeah. pull over anyway. Um, <laughs> but the the other thing to be wary of uh, a friend of a friend of ours uh, lives in California who happens to have a Mini Cooper SE, um, and and she got hers in December of of 2021. Uh, has been having a very bad experience <clears throat> with her local Mini dealer uh-huh. um, with her car um, and. <clears throat> Excuse me. Her her mini has been. Uh, she's had some serious serious issues with it. Um, back in February, uh, I think yeah, it was in February. Uh, it had to have its whole power electronics module replaced, and her local mini dealer where she bought the car could not figure out even how to diagnose it to figure out what was wrong with it. Yeah. And they actually had to send it to a BMW dealer in San Francisco to get it diagnosed and repaired because the mini dealer did not know what to do. Um, they got it back. It's been working for the last month or so. And now today she tweeted out that she got a, a notification that it won't charge. It won't, it won't charge anymore. And she's got a contact service and she tried contacting the mini dealer again. And then even though, you know, a BMW dealer and BMW owns mini, even though the BMW dealer did all his service on the car and had the car for three weeks, three they weeks. can't find any record of, of it ever being serviced. What? So they, you know, it's like they don't talk to each other. Oh, gee. And so now she's so fed up that you know, she's just about ready to, uh, to do a lemon law claim on this thing and turn it, turn it in and get her money back on this thing. Oh, that's- um, so, you know... Many um, over the years has had some issues with uh, dealers and customer service. Um, so that is something to be wary of if you're thinking about buying one of these. But, oh, man, it is so much fun to drive. I mean, like every Mini ever, you know, this thing is like a little go-kart. And it's got so much torque from the electric motor that it's just, it's a blast. So, it you know it's a little bit of caveat emptor there. Buyer beware of uh, what uh, what you might have to deal with. Dun dun dun! It's always so, sad when you're like it's the dealership network is just like eh, and that's what like makes you not want to get the car. I know. That's why people hate dealers, like because yep. they you get one bad experience, yeah. but there's like, a big part of the car ownership experience. It doesn't take much to have that completely taint you. For a whole brand. It's not just that you have a bad experience with the Mini. It's not just that you don't like that dealer. You're like, Mini, they're all awful. And somewhere there's a dealer who's not, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's a dealer who's You didn't not. find that guy. You got the bad one. Sorry. You got to find I mean, the I, not I, so bad one. I've personally been fairly lucky with the dealers I've dealt with over the years that I haven't had any such experiences, um, or at least mostly not. Uh, but, uh, you know, the the problem is, you know, people see the brand sign on the building when you pull in, mm-hmm. and they don't. Most people don't realize that dealers are independent businesses, right? And you know, they they see the brand on there and they assume that the the manufacturer has more control over it. And dealers really need to, especially with EVs, dealers need to do a better job of taking care of their customers, of you know, helping them when they want to buy an EV. And then helping them with after sale service, you know, doing it, you know, 
providing proper maintenance, you know, proper service and diagnosis, you know, when there's an issue and getting it fixed promptly. Um, And it's, it's really a shame to see something like this happen, especially when it's such a fun car to drive. That's a shame. All right. Let us move on. Um, So we had the Mini Cooper uh, SE and uh, the two of you got to drive another EV that is uh, ever so slightly larger. Just a little bit, not very much. I no. mean, just a skosh, just the tiniest little bit larger, maybe? For a, like, let's say you had a house. Yeah. And you wanted to, I don't know, live in that house. Yes. Um, but the house is also a car. That's the GMC Hummer. Oh, that's <laughs> accurate. It's about that big. Except <laughs> your house is probably lighter. You could put the house, house in the bed of your truck and take it with you. In case it you well, unless unless you can, unless you want to carry a spare tire, though. You well, that's weight. Spare tires. Weight is weight is the the battery killer. It's it is. too much weight. You can't just put like an extra tire in there. That's going to add a bunch of weight. Heavy, heavy to heavy. a nine thousand pound vehicle. Heavy, heavy vehicle. <laughs> the GMC Hummer. So, but it, what did you think driving it? Did, I mean, what was your overall? So, okay, so. I'm going to start with the Hummer brand is always being big and over the top and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's there's nothing small or subdued or logical really about the Hummer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always just been way too big, way too much, way too. It's America. It's way it's, too it's, <laughs> Yeah, and it the Hummer America EV, on wheels. Yeah, it is America on wheels, and the Hummer EV delivers all of that. It's way too big. It's way too inefficient. It's way too heavy. And then you drive it, you're like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so much fun. (laughs) It's it's fun and weird and goofy. And I I mean, I wouldn't buy one, but I'm more than happy to drive one around. Well, it's Um, even if you wanted to buy one, you either already bought it and you have the edition edition one, I believe it's called. Edition one, yeah. Or you're waiting. You're waiting because you can't get one. Right? The edition one is done, and now we're on to. I've just drawn a blank. It's like the EV2X and the EV2 and the EV3X. Yeah. They're all coming out, but like later, you can reserve those, but you will have no Hummer in your driveway today. Yeah, no Hummer in your driveway. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's big and crazy. And we did most of our driving off road mm-hmm. where you know, we were going pretty slow. When we were on road, it, it, um, it's funny because it has Watts to Freedom. You got to be in like off. Uh, was it off? But what do they or, call that? What's the abbreviation of that Watts to Freedom? Because they're also W W T F. Mm-hmm. <sighs> WTF. <laughs> WTF. They probably only... had it on everything, like stickers and stuff. WTF. Yeah. It took yeah. me. I, I totally forgot what it meant. I'm like, why are they putting what the on all their stuff? Oh wait, Watts to Freedom. <laughs> oh, Watts to Freedom. And again, this is one of those things where like, hey, look how cool we are. Like, like, like Ford Broncos goat. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, go over any train. It's yeah, we know what you're doing. <laughs> we get it. Um, but no, it's it's big and insane. And if you drive it on the road and you like stomp on the accelerator like it die you know it dives back you stop on the brake it dies it drives like oh, yeah. a big gigantic very heavy truck that has yeah. to deal with the pesky the pesky laws of physics <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah we went off road we got to do well, when you have a center of gravity that's about four feet in the air yeah um we got to do watch the freedom um but of mm-hmm. course the car like lowers itself 
like a service elevator. Um, and then you take off really quick and you're like, yeah, but it has all the lights and everything and, and the, 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 the rumbling chair and the sounds. So and one the, of the cool things was uh, talking about the lights and everything they have. It's the, oh God, the unreal engine. Is that the right yeah, thing? Yeah. The unreal engine on the infotainment system. So it's like, you get this beautiful little video every time you change from one mode to the next it is real. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like watching, it is like watching a video game. It is some of the crispest, most striking graphics. You're like, oh, it's going over the moon now. What's happening? Oh, wait, I should be driving. Except it's, it's, it's a video I, game touchscreen. I, I watched your video, um, Robbie, on, on Gadget, and it did seem to take a while to go from like one screen to another. I mean, was, was that maybe was, was that an accurate impression? I mean, did it seem to be kind of like you turn it and then it would go and then you turn it. It's not like immediate. So it turn it and then it would happen. But Um, the screen, but you also don't have to wait because it does take that. There's that second where you're waiting for your fancy little cutscene to come through there, but you don't actually have to wait. Like it's kind of like done its thing before the cutscene has finished. Yeah. Like you're, you're in the mode. Yeah. And waiting for the cartoon. You're just waiting. (laughs) The mode happens and then the cartoon happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very cool and impressive, and it's you know again it's video game cutscenes essentially, um, but it's you know it's it's it's. I mean, when you when you're towing, you're towing like a Saturn rocket. When you're in like regular mode, you're just kind of driving on the moon, and then when you're in like terrain mode, I think you're driving over Mars? I can't remember which is. It looks like Mars. I don't know if it's supposed to be Mars. Yeah, it's Mars. Like, for some reason, you're going off-road on Mars. They have this whole, like, moonshot, moon theme thing to it all. In fact, if you look at the speaker um, grills on on the side, on the doors, they have a topographical map of the moon. And then on the one, there's even a little astronaut boot print. I think it's on the driver's side. If you look, there's a little boot print. The dead pedal used to be a a moon boot, and they removed that. Oh, was it? Yeah. So when they had the first like uh, like pre-production model, they were sort of Uh touring around. (laughs) You'd go and see how large it was. It had the dead pet. The dead pedal was Uh uh, was the the boot. And so I'm like, oh, it's a dead pedal boot. They're like, oh, we took that out. I'm like, oh. That would have been cute. I never saw that. Well, no, they kept, it probably added too much weight. At least they kept, because, right, because <laughs> this is all about you just uh, a couple ounces. Know, lightweighting at every possible opportunity. Um, but I, I liked it. I think it was fun off-road. Uh, my, and that WTF mode really is absolutely ridiculous. It, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. Bonkers. It is just bonkers. Um, that I did find that if you are driving it on-road, it does have some pretty hefty blind spots. It's a little hard to to see. Like you feel like you're turning, you're kind of doing that. You aren't just looking to your right. You're like, oh, the way look to the right because you're. Yeah. It's it, it's got blind spots galore, but it is unbelievably fun. But you have 18 cameras or something like that. So nine cameras, 18 views. Oh, okay. Well, there. Look at you with the fig facts and figures. I know. Um, I well, I was, I was, I was less. I had less jet lag when I was in Arizona because you were more. You were like on it when it came yeah. to cover. Um, yeah, I thought. I mean, it, I thought it was really neat. It was, and it was, it was interesting to hear the um, the design and the effort that went into creating this and how they were just trying to kind of go all out and say like, okay, we have an, a brand that everybody knows, but it's coming back as something entirely different, like the antithesis of the gas guzzling Hummer. It's now an EV. 
that it's, it's, tiny. it's an electron guzzling Hummer. Yeah. Electron guzzling Hummer. Well, so yeah. it's, I think that's kind of neat. I, I, I like it. I think, you know, you wonder how many people are going to spend the current one is over. What is it? $110,000 for the sold out edition one. And I think eventually by 2024, when we get through the next three trims, we have one that's 80,000, but it's like the next, like it's, you know, as it goes through, they gradually get to the less expensive trim, but you're going to wait two years to get to the cheapest yeah. one. And the cheapest one is 80, it's like 79. People 90. are going to buy this thing like crazy. I mean, it's, 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 it's inefficient. It gets like one point something miles per kilowatt. It's heavy. It weighs nearly as much as a lunar module. <laughs> the lander, so the, 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 moon, the, the car's like 9,042 pounds or whatever. That la- lunar module, the dry weight was like 9,400 and something pounds. So just throwing like people in there, you weigh as much as the thing that landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, They're for trying a, to stick with their moon themed thing. And for a giant truck like this, you know, it doesn't have much it's only what, twelve hundred pound payload capacity, I think, and seventy five hundred pound towing. I mean yeah. the, the towing you would expect because usually when you have a high riding pickup like this, you know, the same thing is true for the the Ram fifteen hundred TRX, you know, or the Raptor. When you when you jack them up like that, you know, the towing becomes more challenging. So they yeah. reduce the towing capacity, but 1,200 pound payload, you know, for a truck this size is pretty small. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could, you can't, you can't drag that lunar module around. I, I feel like you are in no way buying this because of any practical anything. <laughs> it is not a utilitarian vehicle. It is a right. hey, look so at what I got. Bought, you didn't buy the original Hummer for any practical anything. It was like great big giant vehicle buy that's kind of what you're doing with this you're just adding great big giant ev buy well the the original the h2 was horrible at going off-road it was just a suburban it was just not a good off-roading vehicle this thing at least you can take it off-road we went yes. up some things yeah, we and go off-road we did some we did some decent little off-roading in this yeah. i thought and it's like it a little, tr- little narrow did you get area. to try crab walk Yes. Yeah. I, I use Crabbuck before, which is the weirdest. Oh, I watched it. Okay. So the thing with Crabbuck, which is really cool. I feel like Crabbuck's going to get you out of that thing that you shouldn't have been stupid enough to try to get into in the first place. It's like, oh, <laughs> you should not have done this. Now you it's need like to a reverse button for stupid. Is that what you're saying? Right. It's like the reverse stupid <laughs> button. It's like the oops, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> um, and it doesn't, it's not like, it's not perfectly to the like perpendicular to the side. It's sort of like slightly at an angle. Like it's not perfectly sideways. So you're kind yeah. of sli- like slide ways and forward a little bit, but it, I saw some people trying to try it. It takes a little getting used to it's really funky and it feels like it's broken. You're like, I broke the car. Cause it just doesn't, nothing is moving the way you expect <laughs> it to move. But I watched someone do it and they crab walked right into like this giant shrubbery and we're behind him looking going, no, 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 stop crab walking. Just go straight, go straight, go straight. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think it was because he didn't get quite the angle because it, it, you have to relearn the angle that you're going at. You think you turn and you know, we're going to turn, you go straight and you know, we're going to go suddenly you're going at this weird angle and your mind's like, I, it's like, you're like, you've just got your driver's license. I don't know where this thing's going. So it's, it's a little weird. That was my on crab walk. This this thing strikes me as the uh, the 2022 alternative to the uh, the international CXT. Did you guys ever see one of those? Uh, 
Navistar built these. Uh, they 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 launched it, I think, around two thousand seven or something. Um, dropping a link to it in the Slack. Um, basically, they took a, a, an, an international harvester uh, medium duty truck and put a Ford oh Super gosh. Duty pickup bed on the back. <laughs> that's and, a, and that's sold crazy. these things. Like, the, the only time I ever saw one of these out in the wild was actually um, when I, I was one time when I was in Silicon Valley in some business park, there was a bright yellow one that somebody was driving. Yeah. I mean, this thing's just absurd. You know, it's not, not really useful for anything, but you know, it shows that you've got maybe more money than sense. It's big <laughs> for the sake of big. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Hummer big for the sake of big. It's, it's, I think a lot of people are going to buy it who probably wouldn't have bought an EV in the first place. Um, and you know, it's still better than, you know, running a car on dead dinosaurs uh so yeah so at least you got that but it's gonna take days day if i think if you just plug it into your wall at home it'll take over a week in order (laughs) probably yeah because it says okay so the the uh the whole like (sighs) gm's okay well what's the usable capacity well it's 205 i'm like okay but there's an epa piece of paper it says 212 they're like well there's that and they just kept like going around in circles, and I'm like, "Oh my God, you're hurting my head." They they <laughs> couldn't, they would like one of neither of them is the official number, but they're both the official number. Was well, well, because there, there is no because this isn't a light duty truck because it weighs over 8,500 pounds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't technically have to be certified. It doesn't have to have a range or yeah, but battery still... capacity on the label or anything like that. But they still should just be able to give me a straight answer about like the yeah. usable capacity, and they 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 won't. They're not sharing the gross capacity, so it's actually it's it's at least well from, from the EPA numbers you can you can back calculate it. It comes out to two hundred and forty seven kilowatt hours. Two hundred and forty seven, which is twenty four modules, which is <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I mean, this is this is basically two batteries stacked on top of each other. And it's each each one of these layers has almost the capacity of the extended range battery in the F one fifty Lightning, which is one hundred and thirty one kilowatt hours. <laughs> so you've got so you uh, like one hundred and twenty fifty Lightnings. Uh, you slam them on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got one hundred and twenty two one hundred and twenty four kilowatt hour batteries stacked on top of each other. Yeah, and the the Lightning is going to have one hundred and thirty one. Yeah. It's 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 insane, but like you're all that money you're spending. There's like a billion little features that you get. It's not like oh yeah, like, ah, you're just spending a lot of money on a big battery or just spending money on no. It's just a ton of stuff, and the, the Unreal Engine stuff is is pretty impressive. Even if it does take a like a like a beat or so for it to launch. So the GMC Hummer uh, America, that's what it is. <laughs> it's big. It's too much. It's expensive. And at the end of the day, you're like, you know, this place is pretty cool. It's really <laughs> but like, ah, I don't know if I. But also really, really freaking cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we also, Nicole and I had the chance to drive another EV for the first time. And actually, you drove a different version of this. You know, Nicole and I drove the Toyota BZ4X. And Nicole, I don't know if you drove the, the Subaru Solterra, but you did, Robbie. Um, oh no, yeah. I didn't get to drive anything. You didn't? I, I thought you drove the Sultan. No, I had, a, 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 it, I had other things oh. I had to do. There's too many oh, things okay. going on. Okay. You, 
Well, so we we drove the the BZ4X in Encinitas. Um, what did you think of it? This is uh, this is Toyota's first purpose built EV. Okay, so it's <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Didn't you say that about something a while ago. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. Um, it's fine. It does what it's supposed to do. It's a decent little um, EV. I feel like the competition in that little segment, that kind of that style, that size is really, really tough. And I think there are better options out there. I think it's a nice first try, but I wish, especially on the interior, Toyota had done a little bit more with it than what they did with it. Like what? Made it look a little less plastic fantastic. I don't like interiors that feel like that. I want it. It doesn't need to be leather and, you know, wood grain ash, you know, trim or whatever the heck they put in cars. But I, 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 I feel like there's some really good options out there that are just, they create a warm and welcoming passenger experience. And I feel like the BZ4X didn't necessarily, it feels a little down market. Um, and, and considering it starts at $43,000. Exactly. And for the price, Ooh. it's not price down market, but the interior. And I don't mean it, it. What was I was just describing something and I said it didn't feel cheap. It just wasn't as for the Maverick. It doesn't mm. feel cheap. It just felt like a more affordable car. But nothing about the Maverick. I looked and went, oh, that feels cheap. Yeah. BZ4X had a little bit of a cheap feel inside. And it's not a cheap vehicle. It's expensive. So I feel like they kind of missed the mark on that. Um, I feel like when you look at things like the the EV6 and the, um, I just forgot what the Hyundai is called, Ionic the Ionic 5, five that those are in the same vein and they're look miles ahead of what Toyota offered in this. Sam? I, uh, one thing I did like was the fabric, whatever the hell it was, on the dashboard. Oh, that fabric-y, yes, it did. Yeah, have- I, I, I like that because, you know, it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't leather. It mm-hmm. wasn't hard plastic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something different. You know, and it wasn't just a you know a grained plastic. I mean, obviously, it was something right. synthetic that was you know, is technically plastic, right? You know, some right, sort right, of right. polyester. But I thought um, it looked cool. But, but I also had the thought of, um, you know, how if you don't clean your car all the time, your dashboard gets dusty. And all mm-hmm. I could think was honestly because it's that's got, a good point. It, that if you got because it's not um, it has a, a cool texture to it, but it's almost like it's it's sort of going to trap like stuff. Got, it is going to trap every last piece of dust and dirt that comes into your car, and the only way you're going to get it off is by putting the fancy little brush attachment on the hose on your vacuum cleaner. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's not like you even have to be a neat nick. That that is that is going to suck up a lot of dust. It looks it looks really cute, but I just see it as being something that is going to show the dirt. And the dust, whether it's actually, you know, whether you haven't cleaned it or you just happen to get a lot of dust in your car because you went someplace where there's a lot of dust in the air, it's going to show. It's really going to show. It's going to be a little bit pain in the butt to clean. Yeah. And the, um, you know, I thought there was a little too much piano black. As, mm-hmm. This is often the case on the, uh, on the center console. Yeah. Um, the, the shifter was kind of interesting. Um, you know, so it looks like a rotary shifter, but there's a, a, um, a solid, uh, or there's a ring, uh, like a chromed ring around the perimeter that you push down and twist right to go to drive or left to go to reverse. Um, and then you push the button in the middle to get neutral. And then the park button is in front of that. 
Um, you know, I thought that was a kind of a clever, somewhat clever implementation that wasn't too annoying to use. Um, I would give you that. It was a different way because, you know, they all keep trying to come up. They sort of reinvent the wheel with how they're going to do those shifters, you know, because you don't need to have a physical thing that shifts on the steering column of old and trying to come up with some different way. And some of them are confusing and some of them are good. This one was, this is pretty good. Although I did hear a couple of people who had a moment of like, how do I get into reverse again? Yeah. What it took me, it took me a minute to figure it out the first time. <laughs> right. But, but then, then it, but so that's one time. So the first time you get in your new BZ4X, you're going to look and think, wait a minute. How um, do I turn on the heated steering wheel? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do I turn? I didn't have that problem. Um, how do I turn on the heated steering? But then you're going to be like, ah, I know how this is. So yeah, that's a momentary throws you, but then it's, it's, it, it makes sense in the end. Yeah. I didn't mind that. I thought that was kind of a neat, neat way to do that. Yeah. I mean, overall driving, it was fine. You know, it was not, not exciting, but you know, it was, it was uneventful. Um, What's the range on it? Uh, it, it uh, goes from, let's see the low end at the, at the upper end, the front wheel drive um, XLE with the 18 inch wheels gets 252 miles uh and then the all-wheel drive um limited with the 20 inch wheels uh is 222 miles so you know it's not particularly impressive um you know it's it's certainly you know it's it's kind of in the same ballpark as you know the where the base is you know the standard range batteries for the the hyundai and the kia um you know it's less than the vw id4 um you know, but you know, a max of 252 miles, not, not that great. Um, you know, certainly not going to get that 300 miles. You also don't get the, uh, the really fast charging. It's only, I think 150 kilowatt charging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, which is okay. But, you know, again, compared to the Hyundai and the Kia with their 230 kilowatts, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to keep up with those. Um, the uh, the instrument cluster is kind of interesting in this thing because you know in most vehicles where there is an instrument cluster, um, it's usually down lower, so you're looking at it through the top half of the steering wheel, and this one is up on top, and there's like a, a channel that goes across the top of the dash, and the cluster is out kind of near the base of the windshield, um, so it's up above the steering wheel, and it's almost like um, you know. Like the like the those cheaper heads up displays that mm-hmm. have the the uh, glass that flips up yes, on the top like of the dash. It's in that same kind of position, mm-hmm. uh, but it's easier to read than those are. Yes. Uh, so it's you know it's I, th- I thought that was again kind of a somewhat clever solution, if not necessarily the most attractive. I felt like it was cool, but I had a weird um, I had a hard time of finding the right seating position for me that I was, that I could see the road and still see everything on the instrument cluster. I somehow kept getting it. So I had to look like between this, the gap in the steering wheel and I couldn't. So like a few things would be hidden. Like I couldn't see the, when we were filing, you know, you're following how many miles you have before each turn when you're on these drive routes. And I couldn't quite see the miles that I had driven so far. So it was like, I kind of had to duck down a little bit or look up a little bit. And if I try to lower the steering wheel to see over it, then the steering was just too low. Like it was almost like my hands would hit the tops of my legs. Like when I had them on, if I put them at the bottom of the wheel, if I lifted it up too high, well, now it's, now I'm looking at my hands and I'm driving. What are the motorcycles? The eight 
great the like, choppers yeah like Whatever. with your hands with way up in the air. Yeah. yeah i'm like well that's not how you drive this i gotta lower this down <laughs> so it's just i had a little trouble like it was a neat design but i felt like and the person i was driving with she's i'd say she's about the same height as me but she experienced the same thing when she started messing with the seats and trying she's like i can't seem to see all of the instrument cluster at the same time i have to choose which pieces I want to see or which pieces I don't because she couldn't quite get it to to show what she wanted without having to look through the middle of the steering wheel. So it sounds like this that's definitely something that if you're considering this thing, you yeah. definitely want to actually take it for a test drive and drive and sure it and you see. can yeah. that it, it works for you. One one thing even for me, you know, I was able to see the steering the the cluster uh, clearly all the time, you know, my my seating position and steering wheel position was fine for that, but mm -hmm. Um, you know, you definitely want to drive with your hands at nine and three or 10 and two with this thing. You don't want to be driving along with your, your hand on the top of the steering wheel rim because it will block your hand will block half of the cluster if you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, so you won't see the cluster if you're driving that way. Um, one, one, uh, well, the, a couple of other complaints I had about this thing on the first time out, um, when we were starting, when the battery batteries were full on these yep. things, um, if you, uh, if you try to engage the regen boost, um, which gives you the higher regen, it's not as strong a regen as what you get on a lot of other EVs, but it, you know, it's stronger regen. Um, when the battery is full, when you lift off the accelerator or when you actually, just when you try to engage the regen boost, it will give you a, a message on the cluster that says that regen is not available right now. And it, it, the way it reads, the way the text reads, it's, it comes across as though it's an error message, like there's actually something wrong. And what it is is just that you know, the battery's full and it, it can't absorb any more energy from regen. Mm -hmm. huh. um, and in most other EVs, in fact, in all other EVs, you know, they, they don't bother to tell you that part. It just adjust the blending of friction brakes and regen and you know when you lift off the accelerator it'll give you friction brakes instead of regen in that right. case if, if it can't if the battery is too full to absorb any energy um and you know that i talked to the several of us actually spoke with the, the toyota folks and told them that hey you know this is probably a bad way to do this because it it implies that there's something wrong when you know it's behaving perfectly normally you know, and you should, you know, just, just don't even bother with that message. You know, just right. don't, drivers don't need to know that. Don't put that in there because it makes it feel broken in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and then one other complaint I had was about the new infotainment system, um, which, you know, in most respects, it works works really well, and it certainly works better than any previous Entune system. Um, the voice control is actually really works really well. Uh, you can control climate control and other stuff with voice commands. You can tell it to turn up the temperature or turn down the temperature and do a whole bunch of other things with it. So that part of it worked fine. My complaint with it um, was that it will only show... You know, you, it's a 12 and a half inch or 12.3 inch display. It's a widescreen display. It's fairly large, but you can only display one thing on there at a time. So usually, when you have such a large display, they will they will split it up, you know, and give you like two panes, and you'll have a smaller pane on the left hand side, and then a larger window on the on the on the or smaller pane on the right, and a larger pane on the on the left hand side. So you can have like your navigation map 
in the, the big window. And then in the small window, you can have your media player controls. So you can, uh, you know, if you want to pause or, or fast forward or something, you know, uh, you could just tap over there on that side of the screen to, to control whatever you're listening to. Um, and then you have the map. And, and the way that Toyota has done this, they have decided that because they've got more robust voice control, they're only going to allow you to see one thing on the screen at a time. There's no, there's no windowing allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking at the nav screen, you can't see any of your media controls. And their, their explanation was that, well, we, th- we think, um, you know, you just use the voice recognition if you want to pause it or, or fast forward or do anything. Wait, so there's uh, no controls at all if you have the map on? Like nowhere nope. else in the car? There's no, like, nope. hard well, there's controls a, there's or there's a volume the button. Wheel? There's a volume button on the steering wheel. Yeah, there and is no but there's no forward and back for music on the steering wheel. There, there, uh, yeah, you can go forward and back, but there's no pause okay. or if you want to change the mode or anything like that. Okay. Then you have to tap on the screen to go from the nav screen to the media screen or to the phone screen. So you can't have two things on the screen at one time. So there's none of the zero layer type of interface that you have in the Mercedes. Uh, um, which you know they should I, drive a Mercedes and check that out. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, what else was there? Um, yeah, that was the the main things. Oh, I guess the the one other thing related to the uh, uh, to the um, regen uh, was when you even when you have the regen boost on and the battery is somewhat depleted, so you can get regen. Um, it won't bring the vehicle to a full stop with strong regen. And you know, I asked them about that, and, you know, and their their rationale, which I disagree with is that, you know, they want the driver to stay engaged, um, you know, and they want the driver to actively hit, move their foot from the accelerator pedal to the brake pedal. Um, you know, they think that that keeps the driver more engaged. And I, I don't buy that argument. No, that's not, that's a, because when you you're I mean, one pedal driving, you have to like, you have to figure out like, okay, where can I lift? In order to yeah. right at that point. line, yeah, because you have to really carefully modulate how You're, much pressure you put, oh, oh, depending oh. on how close you are. Yeah, you are. I, you are almost more engaged when you're I think so too. Because it's like a video game almost. Like ah, I'm going to do it. That's why I like. I think Volvo's uh, and Polestar's system is the best. It's the most intuitive. Because that's the one, like, like after two or three uses, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm hitting the stop yeah. sign right at the line. I found the same thing. Like, right away, you're like, I got it, I got it, I got it. It's like you're really excited. Like, yes, I killed the boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. right away. <laughs> so that's pretty engaged now that we're <laughs> as, as Robbie and I are cheering, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, you're just sitting at the stop line. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Everyone, people in cars next year are like, ah. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> so, you know, and, in using a baseball metaphor, which you know, since I don't care about sports, I don't you know, I don't know if it's accurate or not. But you know, I think it's a, it's a decent base hit, you know, for a first effort at a dedicated means, EV. I don't even know what a base hit is, so okay. yeah, sure, it's a decent base hit. Yeah, you know, but it's not a home run by any stretch. <laughs> oh, of I know what that is. No, oh, it is okay. definitely not a home run. <laughs> yeah, that I can um, understand. But they're only pr- planning to bring seven thousand BZ4Xs to the U.S. this year. Uh, due to their supply constraints, presumably with batteries or, or something, um, and then ramp them up sometime next year. <laughs> batteries or something. I don't know. Batteries. Yeah, well, they, they didn't LEDs. say. They just said you know supply constraints. Supply and, constraints. Yeah. And so they're only they're only going to get seven thousand here this year, which presumably equates to the number of 
EVs that they need to sell to satisfy the California ZEB mandate. Coincidentally. Um, yep. It's a and, and And they're going to start, like, like Hyundai and Kia, they're going to start off selling them in, in ZEV states like California and, and the other states that follow the California rules. Uh, and by the end of the year, they want to gradually ramp it up to uh, being available in all 50 states. But since there won't be that many of them anyway, most other states probably won't get very oh, many, yeah. if, if any at all. That's a tough. Uh, that's a tough sell. Yeah. <laughs> Here are all the things that are wrong. By the way, the Hyundai, the Ionic <laughs> Five, and the EV6 both exist. Yeah. Also, my just my Kona EV has better range, and it's just sitting yeah. there in the front yard. Yeah. My old Kona. Well, it's not old, but you know, the car has been out for a few years. Yeah. All right. So that's the Toyota BZ4X. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Not great. Not great. <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's fine. Any review the Toyota BZ4X. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Those are the worst things to write, though. The thing yeah. where it's not like great, it's not horrible. It's just like, well, all right. Okay. Yeah. It, it drives. It drives fine. You know, it. It, it, it for for the person for the average person that drives a Corolla or a Rav4 or a Camry, you'll probably be completely satisfied with it. You'll yeah. be fine. Or mostly satisfied. Fine yeah. enough. You'll, yeah. All right. Um, Jeep, uh, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, the new Stellantis Hurricane six-cylinder engine, turbocharged six, inline six-cylinder. Um, it's finally got a home. It's going to launch in the new Jeep Wagoneer L that debuts this week at the New York Auto Show. Um, as if the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer weren't quite large enough, They've add. They made it a foot longer. Yeah, a foot long. It's like this. It's like you took a subway sandwich, put it at the end of your jeep, and said, "You know what? It. Let's put this on the car. <laughs> Eat fresh." Uh, and the other than the fact that it's longer, uh, you've got seven inches more wheelbase, so you've got more leg room, more room in the the third row, and fifty uh, percent more cargo space. I think it has like forty four cubic feet of cargo space behind the behind the third row seats now. So, you know, you can store all kinds of stuff back there. Without, Everything you own, you can put in the back of the Jeep Wagoneer L. Yeah. What do you own? Just throw it in there. You'll have room. And and both the, the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer L both come standard with the new Hurricane six-cylinder engines. The, wag, the Wagoneer, the base Wagoneer, gets uh, a 420-horsepower version of it. And the Grand Wagoneer gets the... Um, 510 horsepower hurricane 510 is what they're calling it for obvious reasons um it's more more power more torque than the v8s in the standard length wagoneers which will probably also get this engine for uh, later in 2022 um and um about one to two miles per gallon better fuel economy Woo! one yeah. to two well i mean when you're starting you know like 15 for the <laughs> for the Grand Wagoneer. I don't even think you can look at fuel economy. If you're buying this car, and it is cool. I love this thing. But if you're buying this, fuel economy is not even on your list. It's not there. It's not even on the list of things that you were thinking about when you bought a car. You're more concerned of like, where are you going to park your private jet? Or who's going to house sit in your your house in the Hamptons? Right. Exactly. Exactly. There is like fuel economy. What they don't even know what that is. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? I've never heard of that before. Which private school will your child go to? Stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. 
Those so, are the concerns. No, no pricing yet on the the L's. Um, you know, presumably there'll be a few thousand dollars more uh, than the, the the standard length wheel, the standard length versions, and um, they will uh, uh, be available later this spring. I think they start they're starting production any day now if they haven't already. Cool. Um, and and uh, they it looks pretty much the same as the the standard version except you know when you look at it in profile you see it looks a skosh longer yeah it's a foot longer it's five dollar foot long, long longer oh, yeah. it's five thousand dollars i hope it's five thousand dollar foot long that way you can see the fire you can sing the five dollar foot long song <laughs> there you go <laughs> five thousand foot long uh, last item is uh, Lincoln next week in Los Angeles will be unveiling a concept version of their f- upcoming EV uh, crossover uh, that's coming presumably, the last we heard was in 2024, uh, but they may try to accelerate that if they can. Um, and they released a little teaser video that doesn't really show us much except that it will have a light up Lincoln star in the front. Um, and that'll be in the show notes if you want to look at it. Mm. All right, let's answer a few <laughs> listener questions. Uh, first up, from uh, Andrew Pappas, how much will the GR Corolla cost? Isn't that the only question right now? Did we talk about this last week, or did we just talk about this randomly with we, a random we, person? We talk, I, think, I think we might have speculated about it. Oh, okay. We, we talked about the Corolla, but I don't know if we... I mean. I don't know. Uh, Nicole, you were at the reveal, weren't you? I was at the reveal. Did they tell you, give you any kind of hints? I'm I'm drawing a complete and total blank. I am going to be totally honest. I don't remember (laughs) discussing pricing at all. Um, Did they say when it's even going to be on sale? I, I, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I was caught off guard by this question. I was so focused on the rest of the show. I didn't prep this part. I don't know, Sam. All right. Someone's drinking well, at the Toyota event again. <laughs> I, you know, I was, I was actually mostly just jet lagged. So there we well, go. That's our experience. We, we can, we can certainly, until, we can certainly speculate. You but know, it's, it's not coming out until the fall, so we do yeah. have, we've got some time. So I yeah. think, what is it saying, fall of this year? So I feel like we've got a ways to go before we have any hint of what it's going to cost. Well, since since it's a 300 horsepower hot hatch, we can presume it's going to be similarly priced to other 300 horsepower hot hatches, you know, like the Focus RS and the uh, the Civic Type R. So probably somewhere between thirty eight to forty thousand dollars. Yeah. I'm going to say it's going to start just over forty. Like okay, 40, I'm going to say I'm going to say thirty seven thousand. No, a dollar. I'm going to say a dollar. That's how it works. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so you're assuming we've both gone over. You've gone, gone over. Price is right. I don't know, because the Focus RS was like, what, like 42 or something? Uh, no, they started at 35, and I think by the 35. time they went out of production, they were about 37 or 38. 30. Okay, I'm still going to go with, I'm going to go with 40,000. What's the Supra start at? That's uh, a good uh, question. 48? Let's see. Forty-three two ninety, according to the Google I just did. Forty-three, okay. So for the two liter. Be, so it has to be between the GR eighty-three, and it has to be between the, be between that and the Supra. I'm guessing. Yeah, if this is forty-three two ninety, is the base on the so thirty-seven. GR Supra. I'm gonna say thirty-seven. Is it only thirty-seven? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm gonna guess. It's not a lot of car. I mean, it's a lot of power, but it's like it's got a tiny engine. It's fewer. Uh, a standard things. Corolla hatchback starts at 21. It right. did, so little, did little. Donuts. It's a little donut. Three cylinder. It's only got three cylinders, so you're already. It's 100 horsepower per cylinder. 100 horsepower per cylinder. It's not that big, so you don't need all those materials that you have on the larger huh? cars. So I'm gonna it say 37. It is a tiny little thing. I'm yeah. still sitting with the 40,000. The WRX is what 30. Um, the GR86. GR86 starts at 27.7. Yeah, so that's. And the Super is 43. Super is 43. Yeah, I'm gonna say 40, 37. Maybe that, even 35. Yeah, that, I feel like it has to come in between. Five. They have to, but it's. It, but the, the markup's going to be $20,000 on it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter so what we say. So, so in reality, it's going to cost you sixty grand. $60,000, guys. That's what we're going with, Andrew. <laughs> sixty grand is what you better save up if you want this come fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you're, it's, it's going to be like the type R. Oh, for $60,000. <laughs> and, and your left arm. And your left arm. <laughs> One left arm. you're going to need your right arm for shifting. For shifting, yep. right. Because they'll let you keep your right arm, but the left arm, forget it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, David Lama asks, uh, is it still the standard for cars to come with a spare tire and a jack kit? I heard from someone that this isn't the case anymore. Depends uh, on the car. Yeah, it, it does. It, it varies widely. Um, a, lot of, a lot of vehicles still come with a spare tire uh, and a jack. Um, my wife's Honda Civic has a I spare tire and a jack. I can personally that the all-new uh, Mazda CX-50 doesn't come, does in fact come with a not full-size spare but a donut and a really impossible-to-use jack and little wrench to get the lug nuts off of there. This, this sounds like the voice of experience. It might, perchance, be the voice of experience. <laughs> did, did you actually have to change the put on the the donut by yourself I, out on the off road trail? Not entirely by myself. I I did put it. I I did. We changed the tire. Me and uh, journalist Nick Miles. Uh, oh. We were we were driving and it was it was all happy and good. And then we stopped and grabbed a coffee and came back out. And he's like, "Well, what? Oh my goodness!" With his little English accent. Oh, and you can see that it's like you know tipping down. It's like twenty eight. He's like, oh, 27. Oh, 26. Like, oh. And I get out of the car and I'm looking at the tire and I'm like, wait, turn off the engine. And he turns off the engine. It's just. So, yeah. So we went, I think when we stopped, whatever it was, we must have put the pressure just the right way and it just let all the air out. So we got out of the parking lot and just kind of like drove out of the Starbucks crazy. And it was going to take Mazda about an hour for their chase car to get to us. So we said, wait a minute. Is there a spare inside of here? Sure enough, there was. So we broke the spare out of the back and changed the tire in a parking lot. And, Excellent. Uh, we're on our way. So, yeah, that one does. <laughs> okay. Yeah, lot, lots of cars, uh, especially, you know, larger SUVs, trucks, uh, but even, even you know, some of the smaller ones uh, still come with a spare tire. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, in a lot of a lot of hybrids and uh, battery electrics don't because they've stuff they've stuffed that space with battery um so uh you know that's why you know oftentimes they just have an inflator kit um and in some cases um you know they also uh bypass the spare for an inflator kit to save weight it's not necessarily to save so much money because you know the the donuts you know don't aren't that expensive but it's actually more often to save weight uh because of the way they do the fuel economy testing um I remember back in 2011 uh, when Chevy launched the, uh, they had a version of the cruise um, that was 
uh, rated at 42 miles per gallon highway. And among the things that they did to get that 42 miles per gallon was they they actually managed to they took out some stuff and reduced some weight to get it down a, to a lower test weight class because when when they do the the fuel economy testing on the dynamometer they set up the load on the dyno based on the weight of the vehicle and you know they have kind of you know 100 100 pound or 150 pound um windows you know that you have to get into and so um they found that they could save about 20 pounds by replacing the spare tire with a, an inflator kit. And then um, that, along with a couple of other things, allowed them to get down into a lower test weight class, which made it easier for them to hit that 42 mile per gallon or 42 mile per gallon threshold. Uh, so sometimes they, they do little tricks like that, which can be annoying to customers, but you know, they can advertise those big numbers. Don, Don, Don. Secrets of miles per gallon efficiency. Sam. <laughs> um, David also had another question. Um, I was just looking at some older electric vehicles like the Volt, Leaf, iMeV uh, online, and I'm interested in taking a look at these in person. What are some things to be aware of when looking at electric vehicles? Is there any way to test the battery health? Oh. I honestly don't know that. Is there a way to test the health of the battery? Just, I mean, those uh, don't have a lot of range so you just put it in ev range if it's the the volt and just drive it that's kind of what it can are you actually yeah, yeah. It, it it depends um the uh um the uh the, the um if, depending where you're buying it from um I, there was actually i was just uh inter- was interviewed a couple weeks ago by somebody from wards auto um about a story they were doing about uh Mannheim. Uh, Mannheim is the biggest auto auction company in the country. You know, they they process a lot of the cars that get our trade-ins or get returned from lease, you know, and they auction them off and sell them to dealers who then, you know, put them on their used car lots. And um, last fall, Mannheim actually started doing battery testing on the vehicles that come into their auction system, on the EVs and hybrids that come into their auction system. So they actually have developed some test procedures and they, you know, they, they run through a bunch of tests and they come up with a, a score uh, out of five points for the battery health. And so they look at, you know, what is the, the capacity in the bat- left in the battery and various other factors. Um, and, um, uh, I'll put links to this uh, in the show notes, uh, but if you're, you know, if you're buying a used vehicle um, from a dealer, at least uh, there's a pretty good chance that it went through Mannheim, and uh, you can ask the dealer, you know, if they have you know any of the uh, the battery health um, re- results from the uh, from the auction company from from Mannheim. And if they do, you know, chances are they'll, you know, if it's good, they'll probably put that on the window sticker anyway, and they'll they'll be happy to share that with you. And if they decline to tell you, give you any information, well, you know, you may want to look somewhere else. Nice, yeah, yeah. Um, at at the very least, um, you know, see if you can, um, you know, take it for a test drive. You know, drive drive it around. You know, start it up. See what the what it reports as the range. Uh, that's left, you know, because if the if the battery has lost capacity, 
you know, if it's fully charged, you know, you'll be able to tell, you can see, you can find out what it was originally and see what it's reporting as the, as the available range at, you know, at that point when you're driving it. Then you have to do maths. <laughs> well, you just see, you know, if it's less, you know, if it, if it was originally a hundred miles and it's only giving you 80 miles with a full charge, then, you know, you've lost, uh, you know, you've lost a bunch of range and you might not want that one. I know, uh, I was actually just talking with uh, somebody um, last week. Um, he used to work at GM, and he's still got a, a first-generation Chevy Volt, for, you know, first model year, 20, 2011 Chevy Volt. Um, and it's down. When it was new, it had uh, like 36 miles of electric range, and it's down to only 25 now. Wow. Um, and it's, well, it's got over 100,000 miles on it, too, so. Uh, last question from Josh Feltz. Um, when when do we expect to see the North American version of the ID Buzz? Really curious how the longer wheelbase will affect the proportions. Uh, um, coming in twenty twenty four, they said they April. But he wants to. But I think he wants to see it, like the actual like. Because we haven't seen what it looks like. We've yeah, seen we, the short yeah. wheelbase. Yeah. So um, what's it? What's it? Auto show? Maybe Pebble Beach. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they showed in Pebble. Yeah, because they showed it off at Pebble before. They had a bunch of people drive the the concept. So maybe Pebble Beach, maybe August. Yeah. What else is between now? Or and or maybe in the fall at the LA show. I was oh say, yeah, maybe LA maybe show. Maybe this fall because LA would be coming back a little bit. Like it was sort of low key this year. Maybe by next or this past year, but maybe this year it'll be a little bit more. Robust, and that would be a good place for a Volkswagen to oh, show yeah, something. Oh, that makes sense. It's they the, they might also the show it at the. Show. Yeah, they, right? they could also do it at the Detroit Auto Show in September, mm-hmm. uh, because the Detroit mm-hmm. Show in 2018 was where they originally unveiled the concept. Maybe. So I think this, I think it'll be fall. I think we're going to see it this year. Yeah, yeah probably. probably. I think it'll probably be L.A. I think you guys are right. But if I but if it says Pebble Beach, I'm going to come back and say I was right. I also said but Pebble. For now, But for now, I'm just going to agree with y'all. For betting one dollar, okay, go ahead. One dollar. That's what's going to be available. One (laughs) dollar. All right. Uh, Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back next time. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.